life <laughs> that the world can't give, that religion can't give. You know, Jesus looked at the religious leaders. He said, you've allowed the traditions of man to make the word of God of no effect. You allow your expectation of how it's supposed to go every time to hinder what God's wanting to say to you. He said, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life, but you won't receive me because, and I'm right here in front of you. Wow. Man, you know, as I was uh, preparing this week, a lot of uh, what Melanie was singing was just going right into what the Lord had put in my heart. And uh, just what God is doing in my heart this year about just being intentional in my walk with him, being intentional in my walk with others, where I have my gaze set. Man, you know... We were singing, and uh, that one song, Glorious, the heavens will shake, and the earth will move. You know, I was just, I was just thinking of that. Man, if, as we really get a hold of that, I believe that's a reality. I mean, how many of you ever been in a sports stadium when you're, the team scored or something like that, and the roar of, of the crowd, you could just feel the, the bleachers shake, or you could feel it. It would totally change the atmosphere of the room. You ever been there? That's over some something that's temporal. And then we go, well, I'm just not comfortable worshiping loud. Well, there's something there that needs to die. It's your comfort. You know, the more I study the Word and the more I press into Him, the more I see that in, in our culture, if it's not comfortable, then it's not kosher. If it's not comfortable, then it can't be God. Because he just called me to be comfortable. And I'm reminded of, of Papa John who said that, you know, God didn't save us, that we could make it safely and comfortably till death. But it's so easy to get that mentality that I get saved, I get born again, I've got the power of God in me, and the whole purpose of that power is just so I can ease through life and not have any uh, setbacks or not have anyone come against me, that everything just be smooth sailing from here on out. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have authority. We absolutely have authority. But the times that you get to use that authority is when there's opposition or someone trying to question that authority. Oh, you didn't hear me. That's when you understand your authority, not when everything's going the way that you're going. Okay, that went over well. But that we, as we grow in him, we understand that there are things. You know, Paul, Paul talked about that a lot. And it, as I was, you know, our verse for this year is uh, Philippians 3.14. If you're not familiar with that, that's what I really felt like the Lord said that we're to do. 3.14 says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And We'll look in a few moments at the verses prior to that. But I wanted to uh, 
read something else to you. I'm gonna, I'm, is it all right if I just read the word to you? Okay, good. First Corinthians chapter two. We'll uh, go. We'll get to back. We'll back up the one in a moment. But I just want to read this to you. And I, brethren, verse one, when I came to you, did not come with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring to, to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. You know, growing up, in church, that was what uh, we would read. We would read that right there, First Corinthians two nine, and, and we'd stop. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those that love Him. Because there's coming a day. One day we'll get to be with the Lord, and we'll know, and everything will be beautiful. Just one day, someday, God, Jesus, come. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus, and. And I, I believe even so come quickly. I pray, Lord, that you come at your timing. It was at the appointed time that he sent forth his son to come into the world to redeem the world. And at the appointed time, his son will come again. But until then, we have the privilege to work in the harvest field. Until then, we don't, ha- we don't have the luxury of sitting here hoping for someday. We have the privilege of living today. And I've watched the church take this posture of sitting back and just waiting for Jesus to come rescue us instead of taking a posture saying that we're sons and daughters. We walk in power and authority, that we are carriers of light in a dark place. Darkness should not scare a spirit-filled, fire-baptized believer in Christ. What it should say is opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. Because light dispels darkness. I'm amazed at how we translate scripture through tradition. Because we translate the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. That means we're standing our our ground and the gates of hell aren't going to prevail. Wait a minute. That's totally flipping backwards. Gates try to keep you out. Gates don't come after you. It says the gates of hell will not prevail against us. What's that mean? That means we've been raised up to carry light into dark places and to to kick in the gates of hell and take what the devil has deceived and lied to. But that's not comfortable. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither nor entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But... Verse 10, conjunction, junction, what's your function? Huh? Those 
of the younger have no idea what that was. The schoolhouse rock. Conjunction in the train yard would hook two trains together. Come on. Absolutely. That was Saturday morning, brother. I was awake during the schoolhouse rock. Put that on in between my my cartoons. I had to watch it. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been what? Freely given to us. Come on. Freely given to us. I just totally lost. I got so excited. I got lost my place. Verse 13. These things we also speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. See, that's why in worship I said, just close your eyes and see what the Father's wanting to say to you. Because we get so we get so caught up, and I'm all about the teaching of the Word. I'm, I'm all about sharing the truth of God's Word, preaching it with power. I'm all about it. But we can get so caught up in that we're waiting to hear man's wisdom or man's understanding that we don't hear him. That's why it's so important in those times. That's why we worship like we worship here, because I believe when, from the time that we come in the door and we start, we're in a worship service. A corporate worship service. You live as a worship service. You should. Because we're the temple. He lives in us. And when I studied the Old Testament and I saw the temple, there was worship that went on there. They would go there to worship. So if we are that place called there, that means wherever we are, there should be worship. Amen. That doesn't mean that we have to walk around singing all the time. That's another misconception that worship is singing. Worship is an offering. And that's our lives. Whether that be washing dishes, washing the car, singing, working your job. Man, I was, I was listening to uh, Chris Valton last week. I listened to one of his messages twice. And... Uh, it, he was he was talking in his message about commitment and about covenant, and uh, he, he said that there's there's one thing that, to have camaraderie. You can have camaraderie where you can just gather together for a, the same cause, but it's something totally different to have to have covenant because covenant involves sacrifice. And when and see, I I think that many times in church what we have is camaraderie, not just with each other but with the Lord. We believe that Jesus is Messiah, and we believe that everybody should know that. And everybody who doesn't, they're from the pit of hell, and they're of their father, the devil. And take it even further if they don't believe exactly like we do. Because we have a, a joint cause that we can agree together instead of covenant relationship that says, I'm willing to lay my life down so that others may know. I'm willing to lay my life down for those that I walk with so they can grow deeper in him. Now, I'm not talking about taking a bullet right now so you can breathe. 
Everybody quit breathing there for a moment. I'm talking about the ability to lay my will down so that his will can be supreme in my life. That others around me might see him as real as I see him. Does that make sense to anybody other than me? He said, those things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is right, himself is rightly judged by no one. For who, who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? What does it say? But we have... The mind of Christ. Verse chapter 3. I and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Now, let's, who's he writing to? This is the church at Corinth, right? Okay, it is, in case you're wondering. It's the church at Corinth. And if you'll, as you go on in here, in the verse, he's writing to them because things that's going on in the church. People who profess, who know the Lord, not profess, people who know the Lord, and there's things going on that shouldn't be going on. He even instructs them on the gifts because he said, you haven't come behind in any gift. So they were operating in the gifts of the Spirit. They were flowing in the power of God. They understood what happened at Pentecost, and they were living in the reality of it, not just the apostles. The church was... And Paul's writing them, and he said, I, brethren, could not write to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you're still not able. You're still carnal for where there are... Listen, so here's what carnal is. He just, this isn't the end all, but he gives an, an, an example of what carnality has with it. He says, you're still carnal for where there are envy... And strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? I think it's the, the uh, ESV, it says you're, you're behaving just like human beings. Only human beings. Why is that important? Because you're not just a human being. We've said before, we are a spirit that has a soul and lives in a body. 1 Thessalonians 5 says that. It says that we shall honor the Lord with the whole spirit, soul, and body, which have been bought with a price. He bought them with the high price of Jesus' blood, which he sacrificed on the cross for us. He shed for us. And he says here, where there's envy, strife, and divisions among you, you are carnal and you're behaving like merely human beings. Just like mere men. We are not just human. If you're born again, you're a supernatural being. Now the problem is, many times we're looking for the spectacular and we miss the supernatural. Let me say that again. We're looking for the spectacular. We're, and, and I'm pressing for the spectacular. I want to see uh, on a daily basis, not on a Sunday basis, but on a daily basis that I'm the place, I'm a vessel that he pours himself through and I see the spectacular. I see healings. I see deliverances. I see people born into the kingdom of God. But be, beyond what I experience, the reality is I am a supernatural being. I'm a son born of the Father. 
of heaven and earth. And his DNA is on the inside of me. His life is in me. Now, as I renew my mind to that, then I walk in the power of that. Now, that's where we have opportunity to partner with the Lord. Even, as I said, our, our verse for this year, Philippians 3.14, he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So I just, I've continued every week just to look at this verse and press into it and just say, all right, Lord, what does that look like? How can we continue to just press? And this word press here, uh, I don't think I've defined it yet, so I'm going to do it now. Where he says in verse 14, I press toward the goal. The word press there means I run swiftly and I seek after eagerly. I run after swiftly I seek after eagerly. So if we are pressing on for the Lord, it doesn't mean that we have taken a seated position. <laughs> Does that mean that I'm striving? Absolutely not. It means that I'm running after some a prize. And the prize is Jesus. To seek after eagerly. In the word, it says here, it says, on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in, in Christ Jesus. And here's what just really blessed me. The word call here, it literally means the invitation. <laughs> he said this. So what Paul is saying is this. I run swiftly and seek after eagerly the goal, the prize of the upward invitation of God in Christ Jesus. See, it's an invitation. That means that we have to receive, right? You get an invitation that doesn't mean you're there. It means you have the opportunity to be there. The invitation and the destination are not the same. Are you with me? (laughs) We have an invitation to enter in and to pursue the one who pursued us. To know the one who's hidden mysteries for us, not from us. Man, that's good. That we might know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Oh man, if he would have just left that part out, it would have been lovely. What was his suffering? Sickness and disease? No. It wasn't. It was rejection by those he came for. It was misunderstanding by those he walked with. Oh, you don't hear me. Thank you. Those are the things that Jesus suffered here on earth. I mean, can you imagine? We talk about rejection. We talk about how hard it is sometimes when we go to talk to somebody and they don't, they don't receive us. The very ones who had been talking about Jesus' coming, that were supposed to know him better than anyone else, rejected him every day. Not just rejected him, but set out time after time to kill him. So I'm just saying we have absolutely no right to hold on to rejection. We have no right to allow that to hinder us in our our progress with the Lord. 
in our going forward. I, it's, it doesn't matter who brought it or how close they are to us. There weren't any any closer than what Jesus walked with that denied him all but one. Peter, the one who was ready to fight for him, cut off Malcolmus's ear. How many of you know he wasn't swinging for his ear? <laughs> I promise you, he... Peter was going, what the world? How did his head get out of the way? <laughs> I was swinging at the neck and caught an ear. I think it was something like this. He went up like that. I don't think he chopped down. I think he was coming from down south, and he was going to cut the boy's head straight off. And he said, his ear went off. And Peter's like, well, that ain't ever happened. <laughs> what the world is that? But you know, even Peter... He said this, when you repent, strengthen your brother. Oh, think about that. Because I've had a few days, a few, uh, several days to just meditate on that. When you repent, strengthen your brother. He didn't say when you repent, go to the 12-step process of deny what it's like to deny the Lord and get walked through that so you can have inner healing so that it, you won't be scarred from it anymore. He didn't say go through the 12, site, this 12 steps that you can be reappointed as an apostle so that everybody can know that you messed up, but yes, you've done the proper steps, so now you're right with me again. Amen. That doesn't feel religiously good. He said when you repent, strengthen your brethren. He didn't say go back and see if they'll let you in. He said, when you repent, you're going to understand a facet of me that they haven't seen yet. And when you understand that grace, that love, that mercy, go strengthen your brethren. Come on. That's good news. He didn't say when you've paid penance and you've done enough to get back into good grace. He said, no, when you make a decision to turn from rejection to me, strengthen your brethren. Man, that's just good. That's just good. That's this God that we serve. That's, he's the one that's worthy of us pressing into to eagerly seek. See, there's not a work that we have to perform to be accepted. We're accepted in the beloved. That's what Ephesians says. That we're accepted in him. But the process of renewing our mind by pressing in, by eagerly seeking. So when we say, man, you just need to press into the Lord. I've really been evaluating that because I tell people that a lot. Well, you, you just press into the Lord and, and, uh, and give no clearer understanding than just pressing into the Lord. And I begin to think about it. Well, if you didn't have that on your grid, what would it mean to you to press into the Lord? Okay, I'm going to press into the Lord. Lord, show me something. I'm pressing. Help me, Lord. Good thing they're sitting on video. <laughs> Mel will have to edit that out. That was me, for those who are listening by podcast, me slamming my face in the Bible. <laughs> but it means to pursue. If you continue reading and uh, I just lost it. But Paul also teaches about those who run a race. And uh, he said that they, uh, 
they're running after a temporal prize, but we're not. But he said they buffet the body and they bring it into subjection. And that's not just our, our physical body. What he's talking about is that when we are pressing, when we are running after him, that the flesh may manifest. It doesn't mean that you have a saved nature and a carnal nature. What it means is for however many years it was that you, you lived before the Lord is that you trained your mind how to think. You trained your body how you respond in certain situations and circumstances. And as we pursue Him and eagerly seek after Him, there will be opportunities that your flesh will want to do one thing, that old way of thinking will want to do one thing, and the Spirit of God says, nope, that's not who you are anymore. Does that make sense? And see, that's where we partner in the press. You know, as I shared last week about believing, that it's not that we believed, but it's that we are believing believers, that we stay in a posture of believing, connecting and agreeing with the Word of God, not that we have to keep going back and begging God, that's not faith, but that once we understand the truth of the Word, we stay connected to that truth and we we believe it. And Rochelle said, you know, a key part of that is our declaration. It's what we say. And that is so true. Proverbs chapter 18. Man, if, if you just read one proverb, read Proverbs chapter 18. It is powerful. It's powerful. I mean, I was reading it. And it, as I've shared before, I, I've been... Approaching my uh, time with the Lord is, is, Lord, I don't want to just do this for sake of doing it. I want to meet with you. I want you to speak to me. And I go in, expect, I go in believing that he has something to say to me. <laughs> Can you believe that? And you know what I found? When I go in believing that he has something he wants to say, I hear a whole lot more than just going... Oh, well, I don't know if I'll get anything, but here we go. Or I do this because this is what you're supposed to do. But I go in believing, and it's amazing. I've been reading Proverbs every day for 20 years or more. A proverb a day every day. And it's just amazing how it's coming alive even more to me. And it talks in Proverbs 18 about the power of death and life are in the power of the tongue. He said, those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. And as I was thinking of that and really just uh, pressing into the Lord, pursuing Him, eagerly seeking after Him, He took uh, me to a very familiar passage of Scripture. And I want to just share a few things out of this and I'll close. That's just my first closing, so we're all good. We've got plenty of time. <laughs> Joshua chapter 1. You know... We shouldn't go, oh, man, I've heard that. Because if something's become old or familiar to you, then it's not real to you. It's not alive to you. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you will meditate uh, in it day and night, and you will, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And listen to how strong verse 9 is. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. 
He didn't say, hey, it'll be good if you try not to get discouraged. It'll be good if you don't try not to be in fear. He didn't say that. He said, have I not commanded you? Now, what you have to understand is what he said before he commanded. Are you with me? He said this, but the book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Now, I've heard the definition of meditate before. It's to muse, it's to mutter. But I want to give you a clear uh, definition. It's uh, Hagah in the uh, Hebrew. And it literally means this, to moan, to growl, to utter, to muse, to mutter, to meditate, to devise, to speak. It also means to imagine. To dream with him. He said, so this book of the law, it shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate, you shall muse, you shall mutter, you shall groan. You know, Romans chapter 8, it talks about that when we don't know how to pray, the Spirit prays with us with groanings that can't be uttered. I'm going to tell you, there's a groan. There's a place a walk, uh, a place of intimacy with him, that tongues doesn't do it, that praying in your understanding doesn't do it, that there's a groan that comes up out of who you are unto the Lord. It's not scary. It's sacred. It's not something manufactured. It's the Spirit of God (laughs) working with us. Melita knows how to get there. I'm just saying. And to the natural ear, you go, what the world is going on? But he said here, when we meditate, when we focus on him, you know what? We get, we get lost in him and we're not consumed with what the expression of that looks like. That can be scary. You know, I think it was example, there was an example of it in the Bible. Not maybe not the groan, as to say, but someone who just got so consumed with the Lord that they lost sight of anybody else, and that was David, when the presence of the Lord came back to Israel. His wife said, you've lost your mind. And David said, baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. Don't you know you're the king? Remember that old charismatic song, I'm going to become even more indignified than this. Y'all remember that? Well, I'm telling my age now, huh? <laughs> Third day. No, that wasn't it either. <laughs> he said, this book shall not depart from your mouth, but you will meditate, you will muse, you will mutter. You will dream, you will imagine, and you will speak. You notice the first verse here in in 8, he says, there's some shalls and then a may. You shall, not the, the book of law shall not depart out of your mouth, and you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do. And you know what the word observe there? It doesn't mean that we, uh, it's not a thing that we do, 
observe there literally means to guard and to protect. It means to hedge about as with thorns. So he says this, that this book of the law will not de- shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall muse, meditate, imagine, and speak it day and night, that you may protect it, guard it, and attend to it according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid. You know why he said this? You know why he said, have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Because he said, he prefaced it with, if you stay in the word, and it's the word is continually coming out of your mouth, and you're meditating in it, you're musing, imagining, dreaming with God, then you won't be afraid. That's what David did. Under the old covenant, who had the spirit upon, but not within. Are you with me? The spirit in the old covenant would come upon someone and anoint them to do a job, but he could not live in that person because Jesus had not paid the price to renew man, to make him born again, a new creation. So the spirit upon David, I believe David, when he was out in the field, Again, David is an amazing illustration, his life. We talked earlier about rejection and abandonment. If anybody understood that, David, you know, when the prophet came and said, I want to anoint one of your sons as a king, and he starts anointing, he starts looking, and he can't find him. He said, is there another? And Jesse goes, oh, snap, there is one more. He's David. He's out in the field. Somebody go fetch the boy. It can't be David. He's just a little shepherd guy. He's watching over the stuff so the big boys can do their stuff. David in that field, I believe David dreamed with God. I believe that David meditated in the word of God, the promises of God, of who God is. Because that's why he, he said when he went before the king, when, the, when they were mocking the children of Israel, they were mock, mocking the soldiers, The Philistines were just making a mockery of them. And David went in and he said, I've killed a bear and a lion. And the Lord, that same Lord will deliver this uncircumcised Philistine into my hand. And I know that you know this. But when he was saying, when he said uncircumcised Philistine, he was saying, I don't care how big this guy is, he doesn't have a covenant and I do. And David had so meditated on those realities that whether it was a lion or a bear or a nine and a half foot tall giant, it didn't matter to him. All it was was an opportunity for God to reveal who he is. Come on. That's why he said, as you meditate, as you don't allow the word to depart out of your mouth, as you meditate in it day and night, that you you observe it, you guard it, protect it, He said, then you will make your way uh, prosperous and you will have good success. Then he said, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Just take that last part right there. And if you just meditated on that last part every day before you went to work, before wherever you went, if you just meditated on this, this truth right here and you said, you know what, Lord, I'm not going to be afraid nor am I going to be dismayed because you, the Lord God, are with me. You've promised you'd never leave me nor forsake me. So no matter what I face today, I will not, I cannot face it alone. 
and I'm going to choose to look at you. See, it is then, when we make that decision, as we make that, and and let me clarify that, as we make that decision, because it's not just a one-time decision, it's a daily decision. That this is the day the Lord's made, I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it. And that no matter what opportunities present themselves today, I'm going to be of good courage. I mean, in the world's sense, the worst case, you die. I said in the world's sense. In their understanding, the worst case scenario is you die. But the reality is this. If we believe what the Bible says, then that's not worst case for us. Right? That's why Paul said, death, where's your sting? Grave, where's your victory? It's been vexed. It's been conquered by Jesus Christ. When he rose from the grave, he conquered death, hell, and the grave. He conquered the sting of death. He put it away. Death has no sting. See, if we're living just to live, then we're scared of death. But if we're living for the king, then death has no hold. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter what opportunity presents itself. If you die, you don't die. You're out of this. And with the Lord forever, so shall I ever be with the Lord. That's a win. And if you don't know it's a win, it's because you don't know him. And that can be traced back to you haven't spent time with him because you don't understand how good he is, how much he loves you, and what it's really going to be like to be with him forever. Because our best day here will never measure up to our worst day there. <laughs> Just say lie that a minute. It's already even put worst day in the sentence with heaven. But how we get so worked up emotionally here. And you know what? I'm glad that Jesus was an emotional person. Because emotions are not wrong. They're just a very poor leader. They're great. I'm an emotional person. I get emotional when I watch Hallmark. I get emotional when I watch football. I get emotional when I go hunting. When that thing walks in. That deer comes in. Hallelujah. I'm emotional and I'm happy with that. I'm secure in my emotions. But here's what I know. I've matured to the place where my emotions are not the leader of my life. When I, pray, when I approach an opportunity, I don't approach it anymore. Is this going to feel good? I approach it as, Lord, what are you saying right now? And how do we walk that out? Does that make sense? I mean, the Lord's got me, do, uh, has me in some opportunities right now that it's not that warm and fuzzy opportunities, but they're opportunities where I know he said, here's where I want you to be because you're light and there needs to be light right here. And you know what I said? Here am I, Lord. Send me. And it's exciting. That's what I'm talking about. You hear the kids. <laughs> Lord, let it come into this room. Lord, let that come in here. That reckless abandonment. Just have fun. Amen. See, I want us to observe 
the things of the Lord. I want us to guard them, to protect them, to treasure them. And I want us to meditate on those same truths because as we do his life. See, that's what Paul was saying when he says, I press toward the mark. When you go back and flip, he said, forgetting what's behind, I press toward the mark of the prize, the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. Where is it? In Christ Jesus. You, you know, you guys are just blessed that we had good worship today and the Lord really ministered to them because I had a lot of other scriptures I was going to share <laughs> about us being in Christ and in him. And I'm not going to do it. he's just good and I'm telling you as we see him for who he is it it transforms our lives that's what Romans 12 1 and 2 it talks about being transformed by the renewing of our mind that we might prove that we might walk out that we might express let me just say this and I'll stop that word prove there it's not talking about that we can prove to God that, that he's done something in us. Be not transformed. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this, work, to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're not proving to God that we can do his perfect, good, and acceptable work. What we're doing is we are proving, we are showing, we are displaying it in a world that doesn't understand. And as we are transformed, from glory to glory, every day we walk out in the workplace, we get an opportunity to, to express Jesus. I'll, I'll close with this, the last closing. One of the things that Chris Valton said, he said, if you go to work for a paycheck, he said, then you're going for the wrong reason. He said, what you need to do is not quit your job, but you need to go to work knowing that you have an opportunity to express the kingdom there. And then a paycheck is what you get for going to be a missionary to that place. So how different would our world look if we had this perspective that every day I woke up, I'm a missionary going into a mission field. I get paid to do this work, but I'm a missionary going to a mission field. But you don't understand, in my work, some of them cuss and some of them reject me and some of them don't want to hear what I've got to say. Oh, man, you know what? Then that's nothing like the real mission field. Because if you want to be a missionary, everybody's just loving you and excited that you're there. They can't believe it took so long for you to get there. Because it's all about you. But if we woke up every day, as we wake up, I'm trying to help myself say that, not if, but as. As we wake up, and every day say, God, today... I'm just a missionary. I'm just somebody here to share your love and your life wherever I am. That If that's at Walmart or that's at Honda or that's at wherever you work, you go, today I'm a missionary that gets to share your love and your life. And you know what? At the end of the week, I'll get a paycheck for it. Thank you, Lord, that you've called me into the ministry. And Paul said that we're all ministers. We're all ministers. But if we woke up every day and we viewed it differently, not I got to go do this thing, but Lord, I get to go be a missionary for you at this place. And I think that if you've called me here and you've put, if this is the opportunity I have to be here right now, then there's grace and power for me to be here. Amen. It's not always warm and fuzzy. But his presence is always there.
because he's promised he would never leave us nor forsake us. Amen. Shout